There are days that define your story beyond your life. Welcome to 5-Minute Arrival. The podcast where we look at the film Arrival five minutes at a time. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. Any questions? Where do they want? Where are they from? Why are they here? This is a priority. Our priority today, minutes 111 through 116, which are mostly credits. We do get a montage to end the film. Anna's boots, branches... Hannah and Louise looking up at the branches, Hannah galloping the grass, Hannah making something out of Play-Doh, which we do see a little detail. We see these two orange people in the heptapod. We see baby Hannah in Ian's arms, more Hannah galloping, Hannah backlit, I think from the caterpillar scene, and then Louise and Ian still dancing as Louise answers his question from last time. She says yes. Yeah. And in the present, they just kind of hang out together, still hugging, and it fades to black. With about five minutes of the film remaining. <laughs> Any comments on the montage? <laughs> I do have comments no, on the, she, as the credits start. She did the whole montage. Yeah. She's playing, we see her from behind again. So similar mm-hmm. type of shot where we're like playing with her. And separate from that, happy and proud to be in our final episode. Made me a little bit emotional doing notes because I felt bad about all the mean things that I said about the film. (laughs) (laughs) Only in the last few episodes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at its core, I do still love the film and the philosophical questions that it tackles because I love films that make me think about things. So here at the end, we're left with, do we decide to be vulnerable to love even knowing that it's temporary and painful? And do we have free will at all? What do we come down on? Does Louise have a choice to do what she's going to do? Is she actually making a choice or is she just accepting that that is what is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what's the difference? But then we get into a whole discussion we've already had several times. At this point, I think there's very little difference, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, she can also still kind of make a choice because her memories aren't perfect yet. And never will be, but the movie doesn't make that clear. I would say the credits are interesting because it fades to black, but then white mist comes in and the credits are white titles over white and slowly getting grayer mist rather than a black screen. Max Richter's music fades out and the final track of Johansson's score is called Kangaroo, which, like Heptapod B, which we heard in 51 to 55 back in that segment, Samples vocals from Aaron by Joan LaBarbera, and that starts uh, when we get directed by Denis Villeneuve. The credits themselves aren't that exciting. You know, the obvious people involved. Screenplay by Eric Heisserer, based on the story, Story of Your Life, written by Ted Chiang. And then the rest. Three minutes, eight seconds in, the music switches to the title track, Arrival, which we heard in minutes 15 through 20 when Elise first saw the shell from the helicopter. And then five minutes, 24 seconds in, it switches to, I'm pretty sure, the track First Encounter, which we heard in minutes 31 to 35. So it went from an extra track, Kangaroo, about misunderstanding and communication, to the title track and then First Encounter. So it went backward to end. And that's all the notes I have on the movie itself. Yeah. Well, I have some notes <laughs> on interpersonal communication theory and why it's clear that their relationship is going to fail based on several of them. With social penetration theory, which everyone knows as the onions have layers, usually mm-hmm. from Shrek. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Okay, um, 
Ogres are like onions. They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers? You get it. We both have layers. <sighs> oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody like onions. Cake! Everybody loves cakes. Cakes have layers. I don't care what everyone likes. Ogres are not like cakes. You know what else everybody like? Parfait. Have you ever met a person, you say, hey, let's get some parfait. They say, hell no, I don't like no parfait. Parfaits are delicious. No! You dense, irritating, miniature beast of burden. Ogres are like onions. End of story. Bye-bye. See you later. It's about self-disclosure in relationships. So in a healthy relationship, you're starting with more broad disclosures. You know, what kind of movies do you like? TV shows? Do you like music? Do you listen to? Where do you go to school as a kid? Like, what was your family like? And then until disclosures get deeper and you get to know the person over time, but in their relationship, self-disclosures can't be reciprocated properly. There can't be a foundation for intimacy formed properly because it's unequal, because she knows everything that already happened, and he doesn't know mm, anything yeah. that happened. And uncertainty reduction theory is related, but it's through the process. You know, we humans, we naturally want to reduce uncertainty in situations. So yeah. that's also why we ask questions, we disclose things. And through the process of asking questions, we become more secure in relationships, our bonds deep deepen. And again, we have complete inequality as he has all the uncertainty and she knows everything that's going to happen. Expectancy violation theory is a theory that discusses, well, a lot of things, and yeah, it would take too, <laughs> too long. I think in expectancy violation theory, there are dozens of different axioms, and it's really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but part of it is we tend to get upset when our partner acts in a way that is surprising or unexpected. And again, we have all of the surprise and unexpected on Ian's side and none of it on Louise's side. From an article in Psychology Today, which discusses secrets, secrets being the active state of keeping information from your partner. Again, this could be family, whoever, but we're talking about Ian and Louise. People most often keep secrets because they're afraid of self-disclosure. They're anxious because they fear the results of that self-disclosure. So there are different types of secrets. And how do you tell the difference between privacy and secrecy? And Psychology Today says, if the person I'm keeping this information from knew the entire truth, would they be hurt or angry? And if the answer is yes, then that would be considered a secret and not privacy because relationships are built on trust, but Ian and Louise's relationship can't be built on trust because clearly Ian would be hurt knowing the information that Louise knows. Well, so, he is. Exactly. <laughs> so she's point. harboring a huge secret that would hurt him. And if that's the case, and Louise, say, does have free will, and she is making 
a choice here. Does she do the selfish thing? And is she right or wrong in her choice? (laughs) We've talked about this in a few episodes already, but yeah. I think the movie suggests she might be wrong because the movie doesn't fully explain what she knows. Hmm. I was thinking more the opposite. Like the film seems to want us to buy into this love story and to think that she's making this brave choice knowing that she's going to be her to do what she's doing anyway Mm -hmm. because love is worth it because life is worth it but i think communication studies and psychology would argue that she's wrong (laughs) yeah i mean she could have told him right up front but he probably wouldn't believe her she's gotta actually she could prove that she knows stuff pretty easily Mm -hmm. Just start telling him things about himself that he hasn't told her. Wouldn't that be better? Like, here, this is what's going to happen. Would yeah. you like to go on this journey or not? <laughs> yeah. Except he can't choose not to. Which means she can't preempt it because she has to tell him when she told him. What's happened's happened. Which is an expression of faith in the mechanics of the world. It's not an excuse to do nothing. Fate? Call it what you want. What do you call it? Reality. So then she doesn't have free will. (laughs) She doesn't, but that's not a negative thing. I think that's the key. It's not whether or not she has free will, it's whether or not it matters. Which, from her description from the original story, it's fine, because she is now on the side of the universe. Her purpose is to do what happens. Which might as well be anyone's purpose other than your own. You don't know why people do shit. Everyone's just doing things and they're part of the universe. Most of us, I think, think that we have much more free will than we do. We think that we're making conscious decisions when really we're reacting. Oh, yeah. We're just programmed by all of our years of experiences to react certain ways. And when we react a different way, it's because we're de- deliberately trying to react not like ourselves, which is also for a reason. But it's a lot easier for ourselves if we say that conscious choices are, are being made because then you can blame everyone else for their misfortunes. Mm-hmm. They just made bad choices and they just, you know, we don't have to consider any of the trauma or any of You, you know who's situations. wrong in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> Ian. Because he realized physics was useless almost immediately and he still didn't learn their language. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, he only had four weeks, so maybe yeah. he just didn't have time to learn much. He's, he was not a linguist. <laughs> He's not a li- Yeah, he doesn't already <laughs> speak multiple languages, yeah. so it'd be hard. It'd take longer. She can probably pick up a new language fairly easily. Yeah, definitely more easily than most people. Yeah. I think we've already included that commercial, but it's because, you know, if you know multiple languages, your brain gets denser. Right. <laughs> denser gray matter. Denser gray matter. A child who learns a second language younger will have denser gray matter. I did have the end of the story where she tells us that final gift exchange was the last we ever saw of the heptapods. All at once, all over the world, their looking glasses became transparent and their ships left orbit. Blah, blah, blah. Skip ahead. We never did learn why the heptapods left, any more than we learned what brought them here or why they acted the way they did. My own new awareness didn't provide the type, that type of knowledge. The heptapods' behavior was presumably explicable from a sequential point of view, but we never found that explanation. I would have liked to experience more of the heptapods' worldview to feel the way they feel, Then perhaps I could immerse myself fully in the necessity of events as they must, instead of merely waiting in its surface for the rest of my life. But that will never come to pass. I will continue to practice the heptopod languages, as will the other linguists on the Looking Glass teams, but none of us will ever progress any further than we did when the heptopods were here. 
Working with the Heptapods changed my life. I met your father and learned Heptapod B, both of which make it possible for me to know you now, here on the patio in the moonlight. Eventually, many years from now, I'll be with your father and without you. All I will have left from this moment is the Heptapod language, so I pay close attention and note every detail. From the beginning, I knew my destination, and I chose my route accordingly. But I am working toward an extreme of joy or of pain. Will I achieve a minimum or a maximum? These questions are in my mind when your father asks me, and this is in the original story, do you want to make a baby? And I smile and answer yes. And I unwrap his arms from around me and we hold hands as we walk inside to make love, to make you. Nice cheesy note, Ted. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I actually found it funny when I looked back in and saw that do you want to make a baby was in the story. I'm like, oh, okay. oh. <laughs> That's straight from there. My, I have one more note on the film. Mm-hmm. 50454. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Thank you for listening. Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 5 Minute Arrival. Or go to lemmingdrops.com for links. to think this was the beginning of your story. Well, Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know Bucky Harris, the Yankees manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Abbott, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know I've never met the guys, so you have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll tell you their names. But you know, it seems to me they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean. His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. And their French cousin. French. Goofy. Goofy Dean. Well, let's see. We have on the bags. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I say, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you don't know the fellow's names? Well, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing... Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets... That's it. Who gets the money? He does. Every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. What's wrong with that? Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name? Who? The guy. Who? How does he sign? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. All I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players around. I'm not changing anybody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you who's the guy on first base. That's right. Okay. All right. What's the guy's name on first base? No. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. How did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mentioned the third baseman's name... Who did I say is playing third? No. Who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go. Back on third again. Would you just stay on third base and don't go off it? All right. What do you want to know? Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? No. What is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third Third base. base. Look, you got an outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you.
then tell me who's playing left field. Who's playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield. I want to know what's the guy's name in left field. No. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third Third base. base. The left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. Look, you got a pitcher on this team? Sure. The pitcher's name? Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today. I'm telling you now. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen, who is not pitching? I'll break your arm you say who's on first. I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third Third base. base. Got a catcher? Certainly. Catcher's name? Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you got it. All we got is a couple of days on the team. You know I'm a catcher too. So they tell me. I get behind the plate to do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team and a heavy hitter gets up. Now the heavy hitter bunts the ball. When he bunts the ball, me, being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out at first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. That's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball to first base. Yes. Now who's got it? Naturally. Look, if I throw the ball to first base, somebody's got to get it. Now who has it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. 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 So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying it. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. You ask me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now you ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. Same as you. Same as you. I throw the ball to who. Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs a second. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to I don't know. I don't know throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Another guy gets up and hits a long fly ball to because. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. What? I said I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. Okay. Let's just start it.